Hello, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Anna Loder from readabook.com.au. I'm a lifelong reader and book lover and a long-time book club member. 15 years, I can't believe it. I've been a bookseller for 13 and now I'm a reviewer and blogger. This is a weekly podcast celebrating that love of books and reading. I'm so excited to be in your ears today. Before we get started, can I quickly pay my respects to the Darawal people of the Uyora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I work, play, read and live on. Along with the traditional owners of the lands throughout Australia, I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get started. Well, this morning I get to talk with Michael Thompson, whose debut novel, How to Be Remembered, I just finished and absolutely loved. This is a beautiful novel. It really took me by surprise. I don't know what I was expecting, but it certainly wasn't this. It's magical realism and Tommy, our main character, has a reset every birthday. So everybody around him and everybody in his life forgets him every 5th of January. So it's like a plot device I've never seen before. Did give me the time traveler's wife vibes, but this is different. It just, it's so caring and so thoughtful. Everybody in there, I absolutely loved. It's got some beautiful lessons for real life on how to be remembered. I believe that Michael's actually a neighbor of mine. He lives in Como and I live in Cronulla. So, you know, practically neighbors. So I'm really looking forward to this afternoon. This is going to be a great chat and I cannot wait to get started. Thank you so much for joining me. (laughs) So exciting. So how to be remembered. It's such a delight. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Anna. I really appreciate it. I understand that it took you not years to write, but years to be published. Is that true? Yeah, it's funny because I was working full-time in a fairly kind of demanding job up until the end of 2019. I was working in, in the media and there was no time. There'd always been in the back of my mind, hey, maybe one day I'd like to write a book like a lot of people. Are. Yeah. And I thought at some point, maybe I'll get the chance to do it. I suspected it was going to be in retirement, but I'll, <laughs> I'll find some time because the days in my previous job were very, very long and it was quite intense. And then I left that company at the end of 2019 after 11 years. And so I took a little bit of time off. I thought I'll, I'll look for a new job early in the new year. Of course, COVID came along, yeah. took away all the jobs. So I thought, well, now's the, now's that time. Now's the chance to, to write this and we'll set up a business at the same time and and I'll have a crack at writing. And so that was when I started. 2020 was when I started writing it. And then I, I'd finished pretty much the first draft, middle of 2020. So kind of June, July around there. Right, wow, yeah. And so it was relatively, it was about six months or so. And then I thought I really would love to find an agent because I know that there are multiple pathways to being published. Absolutely. And I thought, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to aim high. And I thought I really want to be published in the US. <laughs> this is definitely aiming high, isn't it? <laughs> Like I'm just going to go, Reach go for right the moon. For yep, that's right. And I thought, but if I'm going to do that, I'm going to need to find an agent. And so I knew nothing about this process. And so I was looking it all up because I'd never written anything before. And I was really a stranger to the world of publishing. And I was reading about this. I'm like, this sounds really, really hard to find an agent. And it was. Hard it as was it just as hard. <laughs> Absolutely. And so I was searching here and in the US and in the UK and obviously just getting kind of knockback after knockback, obviously, because my book is probably a a little bit different. It doesn't kind of fit neatly into a genre, I think. And so it it probably wasn't so easy to define. And all of a sudden then I found the perfect agent who kind of saw something in what I was writing. And so it was, I think, 42 rejections between agents and a handful of publishers that I approached directly on the way to dining with Inkwell management and then kind of it just it took off from there. Well, it's a beautiful book. I'm not surprised that it took off. I am surprised. A, 
agents is such a funny thing. I know Sandy Docker, who's a best-selling author now, got her publishing contract with Penguin, like huge publishing house, and still could not find an agent even having the publishing deal. Like I just, no, I think it is just so subjective. And just from my perspective on it, it just seems like there is so little time because there is so much to do. They obviously all have a lot of clients already and mm. a lot of work to do that really it can be difficult to kind of get some attention for an unsolicited manuscript. In the end, I'm so incredibly grateful and I feel very, very fortunate to have landed in that position of having found the perfect agent and one mm. who Catherine has done such an extraordinary job of representing how to be remembered in Australia and in the US and in yeah. other markets and then film rights from there. Yeah. Oh, I think it's just going to make the best film ever. Like it's the most beautiful novel. I am surprised though that you wrote it through lockdown because it's just, it's such a hopeful really lovely, sweet, nothing wrong with the world at all kind of feels. I think maybe it goes from the fact that for me, lockdown was actually a really, this sounds really strange to say, but but almost quite a, a hopeful, almost a happy time because there was so much uncertainty in the world. But I had been working such long hours at my job and two young kids and I barely saw them. And I had just finished up at, at work after 11 years at that company. And all of a sudden I'm at home and I'm spending all day, every day with my family and I'm getting an opportunity to write and set up a business. I'm kind of like ticking these things off my bucket list really. And the fact that I I was just spending every day doing things that I loved. And so maybe that is kind of where that hopefulness came Mm. from. Because while everything was going on, there was so much turmoil and so much worry and really so much tragedy at the same time. Yeah. That for me, I was just in this little kind of bubble, this sanctuary. A sweet cocoon that you describe, really. Absolutely. And so it's no wonder that some of those kind of themes managed to kind of creep into this novel. Gosh. Yeah. Fantastic. What a great way to have used lockdown and seen lockdown and what a result for lockdown to have given you. I just, I love how to be remembered, as you know. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Plenty, but, but it really is. It's just a, such a delightful novel. I really love Tommy. I have a nephew, Thomas, and I think. <laughs> <laughs> My wife, she would have loved to have named one of our kids Tommy, except for the fact that our surname is Thompson. And Tommy Thompson <laughs> just feels like one of those cruel things that parents do just to torture their kids. <laughs> and so that was vetoed. Oh, bless. And so you brought it up in the novel instead? That's, That's right. That's right. That's right. So he lives, he does live on. Yes. I thought that it might have been a reference to you, actually. Like, I'm sure that you would have been called Tommy. In terms of the names, I didn't even realize until after I'd already named him that it was very similar to my own surname. <laughs> so I don't know why it doesn't say much for my awareness. <laughs> I find naming characters to be the hardest thing in the world because it seems it's that you just end up drawing on everybody that you know and <laughs> people that you don't know. You'll pick names out of the newspaper, you'll just go, uh, so I don't know how people do it and have convincing real sounding names because mine all sound like they're outcasts from the famous five or something. <laughs> do not. They're lovely names. Everybody <laughs> was completely 100% real. I can't believe that I have such a good picture in my head of Tommy's. We meet him briefly at the start and he's got that party skill of being able to know exactly how long the bus trip's going to take and when yep. the bus coming. But I have got the most vivid, absolute, like I know exactly who a, a person he is and I know he- Thank you. It really means a lot to hear you say that. I really appreciate it. I love him. Your novel just has such a compassionate, caring 
I love the foster care system that you talk about in the novel. The bureaucracy helps him out because he is forgotten every year. I thought yeah. that- Well, thank you. Yeah, I think in terms of without kind of giving away any spoilers, yes, I think no I can kind of so the, the the basis of it basically is that obviously every year on the same day is is everybody who knows Tommy forgets that he exists. So he's a stranger to everyone, family, friends, all of that, which is obviously quite challenging when he's a baby, when he's a child. And writing the book, I had to kind of think in what environment could this potentially work? And to me, it was the essentially estate care kind of foster care environment where there is the coming and going of children and that the unexpected arrival of someone who we know as the readers was there as well yesterday, but to everyone who is kind of at meeting Tommy on the 5th of January for the first time, they believe he's a stranger. And so that the foster care element came into it by necessity. But what I also wanted to do was to not go down the stereotypical path of painting it as as this depressing kind of um, environment of an orphanage kind of where they have rule every day of the week and it's hard labor on weekends. Because to me, Tommy's upbringing needed to have this really kind of positive counterpoint to the just this grim reality of his life, of the fact that everyone's going to forget who he is every year. And that's where I thought that to make the dairy where he grows up actually a really happy place Um, and to be led by someone who is essentially just this kindness personified. Miss Michelle definitely is that, isn't she? Yeah. Indeed. Just to try and act as that kind of counterbalance to the pretty awful lot that he's kind of been dealt with. Mm, Yeah. I think there were so many lessons for how to live your life and how to be remembered in your real life that I got from this novel that I just thought were just lovely. It's difficult to talk about without the spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I think hopefully what it, it connects with is probably a fairly human desire to leave something behind in terms of leaving a legacy to be remembered by someone, whether that's kind of your family or the people that you work with or leave something behind that you have done yourself, that you've created yourself, whether it's something that you've done. Absolutely. And so I think that's kind of what I was trying to tap into that desire. And maybe that also came from the fact that I had just finished up my job after quite some time and I had Sounds like it was a full-on 11 years that you had. It it was quite an eventful time. And when you, you suddenly leave and you realized that a lot of your personality was tied up with what you were doing previously and that professionally you can be forgotten very quickly when you leave a job. You think that you might be very important, but then you realize how unimportant you are as soon as you leave that role and life goes on for everyone. And I think that probably kind of went into this as well. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That is a theme that runs all the way through just beautifully, as well as the friendship. And it's just, it was such a delightful read. It did give me time travelers feels. And I know I've seen in the reviews that I've seen for How to Be Remembered that people are comparing it to The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which Mm -hmm. I didn't think of it first at all but yeah the remembering and forgetting and all of that loved it (laughs) (laughs) i love the fact that you weren't didn't know what to expect when you went into it because it is something that does kind of i think fit in between genres yes very much that probably enormously relieved that you did actually like it Not just liked, I love. I think as well that kind of take the big kind of a what if question, like what if nobody could remember who you are Mm. and that you had a year to build as much of a life as you can and then it's wiped again. That for me in writing it, I wanted to know how that played out in Tommy's life. Yeah. More so than why it was happening. Yeah. Um, That. 
for me that if I'd focus more on the why is it happening, it would kind of taken it more into a, I don't know, a kind of a, a, a sci-fi kind of yeah. fantasy kind of thing where it's not, it's meant to be very much just about him and his relationships, that, that this could be happening to someone that we know in our everyday lives. And I had a, an old colleague who came up to me while I was shopping and said, I've worked with her like in the early 2000s. The fact that I had been remembered from 20 years ago really meant something. And then I thought, oh yeah, that Tommy would never have gotten that vibe. Absolutely. He's missed out on, a, on <laughs> an important kind of part of the human want. condition, actually yeah. just being remembered by other people and meaning something to them. Yes. And I think that's kind of what hopefully gives the book a bit of kind of purpose and oh, will make people absolutely. kind of stick with it beyond yes. the first page to see how is he actually going to be able to do this. Oh, yeah. He's not set yeah. up for a great life. <laughs> no, it doesn't get off to the best start for poor Tommy. It really doesn't. You did get the international rights for the novel first before it was released in Australia. Yeah, so it's coming out in the US and the UK at the end of June and then it's going to be translated at this stage into German and Italian and wow. Czech as well oh, and hopefully others as well, <laughs> which is just extraordinary. And it's been a, a really unusual process as well, working with editors at Allen and Unwin and then also working with editors at Sourcebooks in the US yeah. and suddenly seeing how the same book can kind of be edited almost collaboratively across two different countries, across different markets as well, and that how the, the book actually ends up very, very similar, but with just a couple of little tweaks in order to almost establish the context for, say, US readers, because it's, it's a book that is very much Australian without very ever much. declaring that yes. it is yeah. in, it's set in Australia. But there's some very Australian language in there that I think probably needs a little bit of explanation <laughs> for US readers, <laughs> because otherwise they will not understand <laughs> some key yeah, kind of Yeah, how points. interesting to be able to see that being done in real time. And then that's so cool. It's a little bit bizarre. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> Bless that, Tommy. He's international. Yeah, Tommy goes global. <laughs> Can you tell me about the filming rights as well, I believe? Yes, that this was pretty extraordinary kind of development. But when the US deal was announced, it kind of ignited a bit of a, a flurry of film interest. And all of a sudden, here I am kind of sitting in my home office in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney, doing Zoom calls with producers in Hollywood. And there was a, a series of them all kind of pitching how they would turn How to Be Remembered into a film. And wow. that was, uh, that is absolutely, I know it's such a cliche, but that was one of those kind of pinch me moments because oh, like, these are people be. just discussing your book that at this stage was probably still at about the fourth draft stage. It hadn't even kind of been finished. Wow. Um, oh my and, goodness. Yeah. And they were kind of saying, now this is what we think this would translate really well on, onto the, the screen. And we might look at this element potentially changing. I, I was just still so blown away. And then the, the, the film rights did sell to one of those ones that we ended up working with. To 42 There's, rejections. That must feel awfully good. It does, actually. Yeah. It, it does. It feels very surreal. And I know that it's a long way to go from the, the rights selling to actually being made into a film, but it's it's just an amazing first step. Yes. Uh, and, and one that, again, I know that this does not happen very often and that I feel very, very fortunate. Everything just feels like like it aligned. I think the fact that it, it kind of plays out that it's this big picture question of what happens if people, if someone couldn't be remembered and that 
it just plays out in just the little details of his mm. relationships and of his work that rather than kind of focusing and getting distracted on the the why, that it is just yeah. really kind of the things that we all connect with in terms of relationships with family, relationship with a girlfriend, boyfriend, a, a partner, and and just even the desire to have a job when your colleagues yeah. forget that you used to work there <laughs> the day after the reset. And so it, I think that's probably why it generated that interest because it was the big picture, but with the the little detail that, that connects. Hopefully, yeah. this is me. This is me assuming an awful lot. Everything that you've assumed, I felt so. <laughs> So it's just gorgeous. It's a lovely, lovely novel. Congratulations. I wanted to ask more about what was coming next, but I guess you you won't be writing another novel for a while, I guess. I've written oh, another wow. one. Um, and because the US deal is a two book deal with the publisher over there. And so I have written a, a second novel now and oh, I'm, just, I'm working through the visions with them at the moment, which is great fun, actually, just to while we're talking about how to be remembered, I'm kind of half also thinking about all these little tweaks and changes that I'm making to the second novel at the same time. It is just so enjoyable and so different to kind of where I thought I would be right now in my life that I thought I would yeah. still be kind of working in the media and here I am getting to do something that I love that I yeah. never thought I would have the opportunity to do. I feel that way about my own business. That's so nice. I thought that I was just going to go from shop to shop, but then when I didn't and I thought now's probably the right time to try a virtual book club. It's such a good feeling, isn't it? It really is. feels like you've just, you've given it a go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's something so vital in trying and doing when you could have easily not. You need a reader for your second novel. I'm here. <laughs> and that's the thing that I have realised a lot of the value of having people kind of read and give their input into the book early on. When I was writing How to Be Remembered, I was so protective of it and so kind of like, I don't want anybody to read this yet. And then that handing it over to somebody else to read and I handed it over to my wife first and, and to my mum at the same time and just, oh, right. and yep. it, it was the most terrifying thing I to take something that I had worked, yeah. that I'd worked on with a, a password on the word file. I'm like, that's yeah, so paranoid. <laughs> I was going to why no one's going to break in and read it. <laughs> that it was just such an extraordinary feeling to hand that over to someone and say, can you please read this and tell me what you think? And please be brutal if you yeah, need to be, if, if yeah. there is something wrong with it. If, if you actually don't think the writing's any good, please tell me. And so... Were you always uh, a reader? Were you always a writer? Oh, definitely. Uh, in terms of reading, I have always yeah. been a big, big reader. And writing, I mean, my background was journalism. It was mm. always writing nonfiction. Obviously, it's writing mm. kind of short form, really short form for radio, mm. kind of yeah. 200 words, 30 seconds or a minute's worth yeah, of audio and it will yeah. be about kind of politics or it'll be about a crime story. So to go from that to writing a a novel with characters that have just been kind of invented and with a plot that that actually kind of tells a story. Yeah. I didn't know if that was actually going to work when I sat down to do it and just I, I'm probably still a little bit amazed that it all came together. <laughs> Not only does it work, it works beautifully. Thank well, you very much. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I couldn't appreciate it more. I loved how to be remembered, you know, as thank you know. Thank you so much, Anna. <laughs> thank you for reading it and thank you for your support and thank you for, for your time. No, I enjoyed the chat. Okay, so that's it for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Please leave a review wherever you can, but especially where you found my Readable podcast. If you'd like more connection, please head on over to thereadable.com.au. There's plenty of book reviews and recommendations there, and that's also where you'll find my blog. And I would love, love, love to welcome you into our community. There's a membership page on readable.com.au. There are three levels. The first is free, and I'm so hoping that you would like to help me build my online community where we can 
enjoy reading more together. Thank you.